Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bull Take Podcast, NFL edition. I am Austin Ware. With me as always, Austin Hill, and we need to jump right into whatever it was last night. But before, uh. college football episode just came out, breaking down from this weekend, some of the biggest new entries into the rankings and some very important matchups this weekend that could set up a huge weekend of college football next weekend with potentially yeah. three top 10 matchups. Oh boy. So you're going to want to tune in for that one, but yeah, we have to talk. Um, you know, I'm trying, you know, listen, whenever I say I have trouble finding words to describe a game, it's usually because the game was so good and so yeah. phenomenal, but I'm having trouble finding words for what I think we can both agree is the worst football game on prime time ever. If not one of the worst, yeah. um, just immediate thoughts on the 12 to 9 Colts win in overtime against the Broncos. Uh, it was, you know, like you said, one of the worst football games I've ever seen. Certainly the worst one that's been on primetime this year. Uh, my big question for the NFL is why do the Broncos have so many primetime games at the beginning of the season? Yeah. Um, they play on Monday Night Football next week. It's It's actually bewildering to me that they haven't yet called an audible because they're not even playing well um i already i already think it's bad schedule design and unfair schedule design to have the broncos this much just before the season um but now they're not even playing well and you've still got them playing in these primetime games uh i I really don't know how you're going to expect to keep drawing people to watch the broncos play people don't want to their fans don't want to i've never (laughs) seen fans leave a stadium before overtime at home Exactly. Ever. I've never seen that. Who does – I mean, and it wasn't a couple fans. They were, they were all getting – They were pouring out of the stadium like they were down by 50. I, I mean, it was – it was uh, just – it was something – Which, honestly, I can't aside. blame them. I can't blame them. If I was someone that spent a lot of money on a ticket for that game, I would honestly stay. Yeah. But I'd also blame them for being like, wow, I, I got cheated out of my money. This is a horrible game of football. Yeah, I mean, I get – I get being upset. I, I mean, personally, I would have stayed because it was stayed, going yeah. to overtime. But I understand the thought process. But I've just never seen it. I've never seen a team disgruntle that many fans like that. Uh, it, it honestly <laughs> just shocked me. Yeah, uh, but we need we need to talk about Denver. We we have to like just just a main conversation to start this. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be frank and say it first. I know I picked Denver to win the AFC West. I know that looks really bad. We both picked two teams that are currently have losing records to win the yeah. AFC West. So, but I mean, we said that the AFC West was going to be one of those you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, here we are. And apparently Chiefs and Chargers right now, but mainly Chiefs are out in front. But nonetheless, Denver, I mean, the the, the scheming of it is just not good. And I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett has done to Russell Wilson because you think about it. Last year, Russell Wilson was the only reason Seattle won like six or seven games last yeah. year. And in past years, he was the reason they were getting to 11 to 10 wins. So you think he comes to a Denver team struggling to get to seven wins. You're like, okay, yeah, fine. They'll get they'll get enough wins to get into the playoffs. They can't do anything on offense. I don't understand. And not only that, they can't do anything in the red zone. Probably the worst red zone team what am I saying? Probably the worst red zone yes. team in the NFL. So, uh, you know, I'm just saying this. I'm not saying it right now, but if this continues over the next two weeks, honestly, I would say there might need to be a coaching change seven weeks in 
because yeah. you've already given Russell Wilson $245 million guaranteed. You can't back out of that. Yeah. You can't just be like, yeah, no, let's just get a new QB. No, you gave him $245 million. He is glued to your hip, but the head coach isn't. And, you know, listen, that's why I was, had questions about Nathaniel Hackett because he got fired as a Jags play caller for not being very good. But then he fixed his career in Green Bay, so I thought, okay, maybe he's changed. No. Clearly not. So uh, It almost feels like they're scheming, and this sounds stupid to say, but scheming Russell Wilson out of the offense. Exactly. It just feels like, uh, and over the last couple, the last two weeks, they've definitely opened it up a lot more for him. Yeah. But it certainly felt like this season he hasn't had the ability to uh, be himself, I, I guess. Like, he just hasn't played. He, he hasn't been able to play how he played in exactly. Seattle, and it's actually just bewildering. Yeah, 100%, 100% agree. And so, I mean, to me, wouldn't you agree? You think you wonder, does Nathaniel Hackett make it through the season if this continues at this rate right I, now? I absolutely agree with you. You know, we kind of talked about the same thing with Josh McDaniels last week. Um, these are teams, especially in this AFC West, that are saying, we're all in. They've got they, rosters yeah, to Made compete. the big moves in the offseason, get big pieces. You're expected to win. You're not expected to be two and three and, uh, well, the Raiders aren't – well, the Broncos two and three. Raiders are one and three because they haven't played yet. But still, two losing teams, you're not expecting that. Yeah, yeah. those teams are looking to get big wins and, <laughs> you know, really hold out. And so, uh, you know, these guys, as coaches, they got to clean it up, especially, you know, um, what we saw out of uh, the Raiders last year. Um, you know, we know that this roster is definitely capable of being better, and we know what we've seen out of Russell Wilson, meaning he could be better in Denver. And and so it really does come down to those coaches when, you know, you've made these big investments to get these players. They're not going anywhere, at least not for the next couple of years. Yeah. So you have got to step up as a coach. And uh, if you can't step up, then I, I wouldn't be surprised to see these teams uh, – really jump out and try, especially if there's a chance to save the season and keep yourself yeah. in playoff contention. I could definitely see these teams uh, getting a new head coach fast. I mean, and I think about it, there's two situations where Denver had this game one, third and four in the red zone, up nine to six, two minutes left. Colts are out of timeouts. You just run the ball, run clock. They clearly haven't been able to score a touchdown on you. They won't be able to do it in a hurry up probably. So if you don't get the first down, kick a field goal, you get the first down, game over. Then they decide to go shotgun, throw the ball. Russell Wilson throws it to the end zone. Horrible throw. Colts go down the field, get a field goal. Then, in overtime, fourth and one. I understand going for it. I understand that. Because if I was coach, I would have gone for it too. Because I would not play for a tie if I'm a coach. I don't care if ties are allowed. You don't play for a tie. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, But they decided to pass it again. And to their credit, passing it would have worked because K.J. Hamler was so wide open. Wide. He could have walked in, and I don't blame him for taking his helmet off and slamming it on the ground after that. I don't blame him one bit. That was a game-winning, probably the easiest game-winning touchdown Russell Wilson would have ever had. Yeah, and that's and that's saying something. So there, there's a lot of issues there. But let's move to the Colts now. This team is two, two and one. Are they the? Are they still? Do you think one of the worst teams in the NFL? Even after that, at being at two, two and one. Uh, I, I, they had a bad game. They played a bad game, but they beat the Chiefs last week. So I think that while they're not the great well, two weeks ago, technically, or, they yeah, the time. But I get your point. Yes, they beat yes. the Chiefs. They beat still. the Chiefs re- recently. Um, but you know, this is a team that's you know right here. 
Um, you know, they're they're not as good as we thought they were going to be, but they have some good wins. They've shown some flashes. I think they're on the way up. Um, I don't know that they're quite going to reach the mark that we thought they were going to, but I, mean, I picked them to win the AFC South, so I, think I don't that, think they'll reach it. Yeah, I think they're on the way up, um, and they're, I certainly don't think they're still one of the worst teams in the NFL. I'm going to agree with that, and I'll also agree that they do still have a shot to win in the AFC yes, South. Yes, they do. So, this division is far from over. Their season's far from over. Question is how long Jonathan Taylor is going to be out because yes. you saw their offense without Jonathan Taylor, it was it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Then there was Naheem Hines on like the first drive of the game, which, by the way, you know, of all times to have a guy suffer a concussion like that where he's stumbling, it would yeah. be the next Thursday night game, which transitions perfectly into our next conversation, uh, which I remember us both saying uh, on the internet and to each other how just angry we were. With the situation from last Thursday, obviously, Tua's head injury. Uh, I'm going to let you take the first crack at this. Uh, yeah, well, quite frankly, this was one of the most disgusting and laughable uh, player safety moments in the NFL in probably the last 10 to 15 years. Um, they, this was disgusting, just from the ground up. I Every single person involved with lineups, offense, player safety, player health. They should all be punished. They should all be fined. There is no way after last week or two weeks ago, Tua Tungavailoa stumbles off the field and should then end up back on the field in the same week. And then there is no way that he should wander his way back out into the starting lineup four days later. It, I mean, where is the concussion protocol? What is it? Do you just have to say, nope, I want to keep playing? Because I don't think that's how it works. You know, I mean, um, we talk about it. The big example, you know, is someone being like, well, Tua said he was fine. Players are going to say they're fine all the time. I, Protect player safety. It's not, it's not, it, quite frankly, the reason the doctors, coaches, concussion specialists are there is to save the player from themselves. It is not the player's call whether he goes back out there or not. Because, like you said, every single time, they're going to say yes. These guys, they're professionals. They do this for a living. They're not going to give up, call it quits, because their head hurts. They're going to go out there and keep playing because they're going to try and be tough for their teammates. It is your job as a coach, as a doctor, as a uh, trauma head trauma specialist to go out there and tell him, you can't. It's not safe. We got to pull you. I, I mean... From from the ground up, this is an organizational issue for the Dolphins. No one said a word. No one tried to stop this. Everyone acted like this was A-OK and this should happen, and look what happened. You know, the my biggest thing with this was them saying the injury suffered against the uh, Bills was a back injury. Well, back or ankle If every single – if I've, I saw like three or four videos on the internet that night after it of like – these doctors, you know, there are doctors that talk about NFL injuries reacting to them. They all reacted and said, there's no way he should have gone back in the game. That is 100% a head injury. Now, his back may have hurt from the from the force because you got to remember, neck and head connect to your back. You know, the, yeah. the backbone connects to the whatever, however the song goes. Yes. But those all connect to each other. So if his back hurts, then probably got to sit up for when his head hit and he was just laying there. And what is the first thing he does after he gets hit in the Bills game? He grabs his head. That's how bad his back hurt. Yeah, his that's head. how bad his back yeah. hurt. If he grabbed grabbing, his head. If he's grabbing his head. 
I mean, it's unbelievable. It's what I couldn't have said it better than you did. This is an organization, and this is probably the in the recent times that they've actually started to care about concussions. Probably the worst failure of it ever. Yeah, I mean, this to me, this is exactly where we need to override the entire concussion protocol and come up with a complete. If it is that, there should be a league official exactly that comes down and helps make this decision. There should be specific. Uh, like head specialists or concussion specialists at every NFL game every Sunday. That's doable. NFL has plenty of money to be able to hire guys to protect the safety of the players. And it should be unbiased, league-appointed guy. Exactly. Not somebody who works for the Dolphins and is being told, if you don't let this guy go back out here, you're on the line. Exactly. Because there's no way that that, that nobody else influenced this decision. If I was the if I was the guy there like, you need to put him back, I'm like, I would also rather get fired than put him back out yeah. there. I'm not putting him back out there. So, uh, it, that, yeah. <laughs> it's got to change from the ground up because obviously we're seeing right now it can – you know, we hadn't had any problems with it before, but we're seeing right now just how easy it is to just say, oh, it's a back injury and throw him back out there and then throw him to the wolves. And to see the way he was affected on the in the Thursday night game – Yeah. That was that was really the worst part of it all. To see the way his fingers curled up and the way he was straightened out, it was it was honestly disgusting. Um, it was disturbing. I was really upset that the broadcast went on to show it five hundred more times that, throughout the entire the thing, game. Yeah, that's the thing that annoyed me. Was number one, they came back for commercial and said, We're gonna zoom in and show you what his hands and what his face looks like. I'm like, who in their right mind? Wants to see that. I literally almost got sick after seeing it yeah. live. Then the replays happened. I was, I'm just like screaming at the. I remember my mom told me, to "Be quiet." I'm like, they're just showing a man literally yeah. suffering serious head trauma. May, this is something that could affect him for the rest of his life. Yeah, I why know. are you constantly showing that? I mean, with how scary that was, I was concerned that he may not play again this season. I mean, that Honestly, was a scary, if, scary. If he would have came out and then said, "I'm retiring from the NFL," I would completely understand. I'd be like, "Good for you." Yeah. Protect yourself. You know, that's why Andrew Luck retired, and I have all the respect to him. Absolutely. He was tired of getting hurt, so he said, I'm not going to play anymore. Absolutely. He wanted, he, you know, he said it. He wants to be able to take care of his kids and spend time with his kids. He doesn't want to be broken and bruised. And, you know, and so that's why he en- ended up calling it a career. He wants to be able to have a life outside for, of football. And I Absolutely. For that, so. Absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, that is our opinion on that. And if, and the good news is, fortunately, Tua is not playing this week, which, you know. I think it would have been an if all-time. If Tua started this week, I think there would have been a riot outside I, Miami and the NFL's office. Yes, uh, I think that would have been an all-time bold decision by the Dolphins to even consider to be like, to be Tua. Like, yeah, should we play him? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, fine. Yeah, he's good. That yeah. was just a back injury, so it'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, but now, let us – but also, real quick, I want to add one more thing. He was now granted. He came out of a hotel after or, or hospital, fine after two hours, and flew back with the team. Which I know everyone's like, "Well, see, he was fine." And let me tell you, this is a bad thing. I don't know if you saw the tweet from it that last Thursday, but there's a story of a player that suffered a concussion uh, and then flew back with the team. Thought everyone thought it was fine. Had a seizure on the plane ride back home. They had to do an emergency landing because they thought he was going to die. That's so, a tragedy. so, so personally, in my opinion, I would have kept him overnight there personally. Yeah. I until don't... the next morning. That's just, that's my opinion. So, but if, but those doctors there are a lot more, 
I will say knowledgeable compared to probably maybe trainers in the NFL. So I'll give them a little bit of a break, but for safety, I just would have held them overnight. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. I personally, I'm with you. I didn't understand um, sending him back out uh, and back onto the plane. I think you let him have the night off. I think you just let him rest. And and if you're really worried about getting him back to Miami, bus something like that, you know. Yeah. Or when now, if he's fine the next morning, fly you can fly him out, him out on a yeah. private plane there. Uh, Miami has the money to do that. I, I, I don't personally understand the the rushing him out of Cincinnati. I think that's, I, I think that's again, uh, reckless and careless. And, you know, just to sum it all up, I, I think that this shows that how easily the concussion protocol can be manipulated. And I think the NFL would be wise to this offseason look into uh, a system that, kind of puts holds the league more accountable because uh, I'm not going to entirely put this one on the NFL because I don't know how involved they are exactly. with making a concussion yeah. call. Um, with everything I'm seeing, it looks like it's mainly Dolphins exactly. officials' call. Which um, if you think about all the stuff that came out about them this offseason, it's really not much of a surprise. I hate yeah. to say it. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, with everything else that surrounds the organization right now, it. It's not uh, the biggest shocker. You're right. Um, I will say, yeah, that's the biggest thing was I saw some guy. Uh, he's a YouTuber named Tom Grossi. He does reactions for him. He's like, he did reaction for Dolphins fans. Like, the fact that I have to sit here and wonder, is Tua safe with this organization? That's yeah. a problem. That's, uh, that's you know, that's actually, it was actually just scary to watch. Um, it was unnerving. Uh, a little, I think it's embarrassing by the Amazon broadcast to have showed it as many times as they did. I, I mean, he's got he's got a family uh, yeah. and you know friends and people that are watching thank, over thank this goodness game. His fan, his parents were there for that game that night. Yeah, was, I'm I'm really glad they were there for that. Um, because I can't imagine watching that broadcast and seeing that over and over again, and then talking about oh well, that's a sure sign of head trauma. Well, yeah, yeah way to no, put you don't say way to put everybody at ease. So I, I think overall this was a mishandle by the Dolphins, by the NFL, by the NFL broadcast. <laughs> um, I, I really think all around this is a good lesson to be learned uh, by the NFL. And like I said, uh, an overhaul of the concussion protocol to at least get l- some kind of league official involved with this so that if the Dolphins want to sign off on it, the NFL also has to say, yes, we're comfortable with this player going exactly. back out there. Because this, I mean, think about this. This could result in a big suit against the NFL I mean, personally, and against the Miami Dolphins. I told I told my mom this after we were because I showed her the replay. I said, personally, if I was Tua, I'd be suing. Absolutely. You know, like Brian Flores sued uh, the NFL. I don't know if Tua would sue the NFL. I, I mean, he might sue the team doctor for the Dolphins, but I mean, I'd be like, they put me in this position where you know, you know, be being a Steelers fan and seeing the Ryan Shazier injury happen yeah. on prime time. That it, I honestly thought it was the, almost the exact same, except you know Ryan says here just didn't. You could just tell he could not move his legs. Yeah. So yeah, uh, like I said, this is just a failure on all parts to protect your to protect the players. Absolutely, that's, that's the simple thing. Protect the players. The players make you the money. Protect them. It's yeah. not hard. And and uh, you know some people thought maybe an overreaction from the NFLPA wanting to see uh, you know. Uh, a bit of a review of the concussion protocol after what happened last week or two weeks ago in the Buffalo game and Tua coming back out there. And the NFL initially said, you know, we're not going to look into it. And then the injury happens to Tua just, you know, four days later. And all of a sudden the NFL is opening up an investigation on (laughs) how the concussion protocol is handled. So um, 
not necessarily an overreaction by the PA when you look at it like that, but you're right. Overall, everybody failed and they, they've got, you've got to be better. Definitely. So now let us move to the next uh, main topic, which like I said, I've tried not to be made. We've tried not to be major biased towards Steelers and bears, but a major thing happens in the Steelers games, not the score that I, I didn't even know. They, I didn't even see the final score of the game. You actually didn't know they were playing. So. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even realize they were playing until this happened. Uh, okay. I'm I just gotta, be, I gotta be honest. I can't make the why I was watching that first half against the jets. And just remember, Thinking, this is obviously about Kenny Pickett. If you haven't been watching, Kenny yeah. Pickett is going to be the starter for the Steelers' Mayor season. But I remember that whole first half, I was, I was just sitting there in such like sadness. I was like, "This is this is this is terrible. This is without a doubt the worst offensive output I've ever seen from any team." And that's saying something because I and and that I also think that might include that Colts Broncos yeah level that bad. But I remember. Someone put on there, like it was like a verified source at halftime. Someone said, Kenny Pickett most likely starts second half. I'm like, yeah, right, most likely. And then the Steelers thing is like, Kenny Pickett's checked in at QB. I'm like, oh my. Wow. It's, our, our savior is here. And listen, you know, I didn't want, I may have wanted Malik Wilson over him, but we drafted him. I have to stick with him. Absolutely. I have to stick with him. And he came out and was. I'm not going to say amazing. I'm not going to say he threw three interceptions. I'm not going to say it was amazing. One of the first interception, I personally blame that on Chase Claypool. He's given him a chance deep down the field for a 6-4 wide receiver against a 5-9 corner. Dead catch. You should win that matchup. Second one that he threw, that was a really bad throw. I'm going to completely agree. That was a rookie mistake. Third one was on a Hail Mary, so I really don't even. Yeah, basically it doesn't even count. That's but he did exactly what I said uh, last week. He gave the offense a spark. He did. He gave him a spark drop. I remember, uh, granted, his first try, they went kind of like had a picked up a first down and then punted. But then Minka got an interception. They went and scored right away. And then they forced a punt and they went right down the field and scored again. Uh, but I'm not saying right now he's going to be our savior, but he gives, he's an improvement. It gives us hope. And, yep. you know, with the schedule coming up, I'm, I'm absolutely terrified. But it's games that are needed for him to be developed. So uh, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, I I completely agree with you. It's kind of, you know, watching this situation unfold, it happened obviously a lot faster than it did for the Bears last year. But similar thoughts to what I had for the Bears um, with Justin Fields. Uh, You know, I get the first couple weeks, especially week one, it was mostly a protection thing. Yeah. We were playing against the Rams. You do not want to feed your rookie quarterback to Aaron Donald. Um, when he is trying to You'd learn, be like the Niners and just not block them. Yeah. Um. So hey, that worked. That so, did work. It did. Unfortunately for them, it did. It worked. It's um, not the greatest idea, but it worked. So uh, you know, I I understood that, but you know, it came down to really Matt Nagy and his ineptitude keeping Justin Fields on the bench and playing Andy Dalton because I guess for some reason he thought that we were going to win more games that way. I don't really know. But, you know, eventually you just need that guy to come in and be a spark. And uh, fortunately for me, the Bears actually had packages for Justin Fields to come in even when he wasn't getting those starts. Um, But, you know, it is just – I think it's part of the NFL that um, needs needs to change. And it seems like every time there's a rookie quarterback, no matter when they're drafted, when they're the guy that's supposed to take over, uh, teams – 
you know, they they worry a little bit too much, I think, about protecting guys. And I think that's most of the time what it comes down to, not wanting guys to come out there and get hurt or come out and make mistakes. And I, But I think that playing is just part of getting better. And I think that you t- you drafted this guy, especially when it's in the first round. When you draft this guy, you've got to get them out there and playing and get them to know this team, know this system. I get maybe week one, week two, let them kind of familiarize themselves in practice. But, you know, at, at week three and later, you've got to start letting these guys get in and get yeah. some reps because if you're drafting a new quarterback, you're not necessarily counting on a playoff season. Exactly. Um, so I, I think overall it, it's something that, to me, I would like to see change because obviously I think coaches are de- delaying the inevitable. And really I, I don't see how it, it doesn't help teams any to – uh, it doesn't make you sell more tickets to start the yeah. NFL veteran that nobody <laughs> wants to see start over the exciting rookie of the future. Um, so, I, I personally, I would like to see that change because I, I feel like how many rookies do you see get hurt in their first game anyway? I, it's, I think it's very, very, very rare. I think you're almost wishing an injury on your rookie by not playing him. And you know, right, right, man, be, this QB, I swear, man, I just hope he gets yeah, he because gets injured because be like, because then coach would be like, see, that's why we didn't play him and because stuff, it's yeah. like, uh, I, I, it's almost like you're like, uh, just you know, bringing it about, like bringing that kind of negative vibe on because it's like I don't think about I didn't when Justin Fields came out, I wasn't thinking, oh man, be sure be a shame if he got injured right here. I was like, oh my god, we might actually win some football games. We have a quarterback. Um, so I, I, I don't think that that sh- is necessarily the most positive line of thought. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say one last thing about this and then we'll move on. Mitchell Trubisky, I think is a decent QB. I think he was good enough to start those first couple of weeks. My question is this, if the plan was to give to start Kenny decently into the season, why did we give Trubisky 16 and a half million dollars? Absolutely. Uh, no disrespect to Trubisky when I say that, uh, because he's a decent enough quarterback and I think he deserved it deserved a chance but we if we were just going to start a QB for a few weeks we have a guy in Mason Rudolph that w- that could have done that just fine because Mason Rudolph's I'm not trying to be Mason Rudolph's not the most entertaining QB and it, I know Seahawks fans would be like oh Mason Rudolph starting but I just think it was a little bit of a waste of money with Trubisky to spend that money on him especially agree. with it'd be different if Rudolph got traded this offseason or something then I would understand it but he didn't the only thing I can say is maybe the Dwayne Haskins situation maybe played into that. Uh, so RIP Dwayne Haskins. Yes. Uh, but that's the only thing I would say question it because if he was going to come in that early, why did we spend 16, give a guy $16 million to come start three games, three or four games for us? So, I completely agree. Uh, but enough from that. Let's get to our NFL bets of the week. Now, I'm, now, in case you're not here in the last episode, I'll just tell you here too. I am as cold as this water ball that is currently in my hand. I am. I went zero and five total last weekend. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And one last time, horrible. Thank you. Uh, so I'm in need of of a rebound week. But before me, let's hear what the man, the myth, the legend, the Austin Hill. Um, I've got a bold pick for us here, and that's I've got Falcons plus ten this weekend like against it. the Tampa Bay really Buccaneers. Like the Buccaneers have played really, really poorly. Uh, the last two weeks, and the Falcons last week found some life in their running offense 
and it really, really carried them to a big win against the Browns. Um, I think riding that momentum, this game's going to be a lot closer than people think it's going to be. And, and also, this is for first place in the NFC South. Yeah. These are, I, yeah, so it's I a mean, big game. There's pride on the line. So, while I don't necessarily know if the Falcons actually get out there and get a win, I think this at plus 10 is easy money. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking of easy money, mine is not a hard one. Once I saw it's similar to the my bad of the week for the college football one. As soon as I saw what the spread was for it, it was an automatic. Steelers plus 14 against the Bills. Let me tell you why. And I know what you're thinking. Austin, y'all lost to the Jets last weekend. Are you freaking insane? Yes, I am. But let me just say this. The Mike Tomlin era features two things in the in the majority of my time watching. And that is uh, that um, – sorry, Cardinals just hit a home run. I'm just, just going to be perfectly <laughs> blunt with you. Uh, Austin and I are both reacting to it. Uh, wow. But, my bet, but yeah, my bet with Steelers plus 14. Steelers, this is the first time they've been a 14-plus point underdog since the AFL-NFL merger. So, wow. And also, like I said, with Mike Tomlin era, they had this thing of playing down to teams that they are so much better than talent-wise. For example, Jets last weekend. And also have this insane ability to play up to the levels of elite teams that they should not be able to compete with. Yeah. For example, the Buffalo Bills this weekend. So let me be frank when I say this. I don't think the Steelers are going to win this game. I will be cheering for them to win the game, but I do think they're going to cover because plus 14 – is way too much for a Mike Tomlin coach team. They're going to keep it close, either either close enough, and they're going to surprisingly win because I mean that's what happened to us at Buffalo last year in Week One. Indeed, it I is. didn't think we were going to win. No, that shocked me. Uh, so that's our bets of the week. I guess a, maybe a back another one I thought of: Ravens Bengals over forty eight. This could be an offensive fireworks show on Sunday Night Football, which Absolutely. is which is honestly what Sunday Night Football has been kind of lately. I mean. Last week was an absolute thriller. So those are our bets. Now let's get to our game picks. We're only going to do three this week because Thursday night football already happened. So let's start in London, bright and early on Sunday morning. First London game in which both teams have a winning record. Wow. Since the London series, guys, are Giants versus Packers. This is a 3-1 and one team versus a 3-1 and one team. If you would have told me that at the start of the year, I would have called you insane. So... Three and one Giants, three and one Packers. Who you got for this one? Uh, as much as it pains me to say it, I'm going to take the Packers. Um, after watching the way the Giants and the Bears played last week, um, if the Bears had any sort of offense, I think that game could have been different. And uh, really, the difference between the Bears and the Packers and their matchup was how good um, that offense is yeah. uh, in Green Bay. Um, so I think the defense can keep. Uh, the Giants from really getting anything going. And then I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have an Aaron Rodgers game and the Packers are going to get it done. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to hundred percent agree with it because I mean, like I said, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's very hard to bet against. I mean, against let alone against the Giants who don't get me wrong. Giants are playing a whole lot better. Yes, they are. Than that. I think that show goes to coaching Brian Dayball. You know, while there may have been the whole controversy with, Brian Flores and which Brian it was that Bill Belichick meant to text and all yeah. that this offseason. I think they made the right choice because he's he's lived up to so far because three and one, Carter and Drew, my friends that are Giants fans, they're on cloud nine right now. But I do agree. I think the Packers win this game. So next up, 
Eagles versus Cardinals, undefeated Eagles on the road against the Cardinals, who are reportedly going to be debuting their all-black helmets this weekend uh, at home. It's supposed to be the main afternoon game. Who you got for this one? Oh, I've got the Eagles all day. I I think this is too easy of a matchup for the Eagles. Yeah, um, honestly, I'm going to agree. There's a part of me that thinks that this has a chance to be a little bit of a shootout, a tiny chance, but I'm with you. Uh, I think the Eagles got are going to roll in this game. If it's close, I would be surprised. But like I said, I think there's a very fair chance of this potential being a shootout. That's fair. And then the last one we're going to pick, Sunday Night Football, in my opinion, the best game of the entire weekend, uh, best in t- of the entire Sunday slate, Bengals versus Ravens on Sunday night. Two teams at 2-2, two and two, very surprising 2-2s. Two and twos. But yeah, this is probably this is for first place and control of the lead in the in the AFC North. So, who you got here? Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson has been better than he was in 2019. Um, I think right now he is absolutely the front runner for the MVP in the league. And you know, with just a few changes to history, this team is four now. Uh, exactly. I mean, just a couple plays to go a little bit differently, and this team is four now. Um, I think that they've had been very, very good, and while they're two and two, I think they've got a lot more positives to count on than uh, the Bengals, who have had a bit of a iffy start yeah. to their, um, you know, bounce back season after losing in the Super Bowl. Um, so I like the Ravens riding off momentum, and I think they can go out there and get the win. Uh, you know, I'm gonna. This is a this is a tough one, but it I'm 100 percent gonna. Uh, agree with you on the Ravens. I know this is one of those weeks where we all agree, but I'm not going to lie to you. This is not the greatest week for the NFL. Yeah. Really. There could be a lot of bad games. There, for, for all we know, they might become great games for even talking about. Yeah. So. But it's similar to that stat that I told you about earlier. Ravens have led in every single game and every single game season except for 14 seconds total this year. They're 2-2. Two and two. That's a team that should be 4-0. Lamar Jackson, none of this is Lamar's fault. No, 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 no. None of this is Lamar's fault. If, if some people are saying this is why Lamar shouldn't get paid millions, no, this is why John Harbaugh's job could be on the line Yes, if the Ravens don't make the playoffs this year. Which, right, because he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. But lately, in the past few years, he has been failing with the amount of talent the Ravens have had. Yep. So. I'm gonna go Ravens here, but I'm, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be surprised if the Bengals win because Bengals did go into Baltimore last year and destroy them. That was kind of their big uh, way, uh, in, introduction to the NFL. So, yes. but yeah, I'm gonna go Ravens. So that is gonna do it for this NFL edition of college football episode. Make sure and go listen to that. And next week, like we said, next week could be a very inter- entertaining week. Uh, don't forget here in a few weeks though. We got to have an NBA season preview. NBA season is coming up. I know this man across from me is very excited to yes. see how the Bulls are going to do. I know I'm excited to see the Clippers finally make make the NBA finals, yes. you know. Not that you know it was originally make the Western Conference yeah. finals, but they did Bulls, that Bulls Clippers ago. finals. Hey, I I would watch that. I'd wa- I would watch that easily. Yeah. It'd be great. But that will be coming up in a few weeks here, but for now, that is Austin Hill. I'm Austin Waiter. This is the Bull Take podcast. We want to thank you for listening.